All right, I'm going to go in the intro now. All right, hit it. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 14 of Hip Squared, American Fantastics pop culture podcast celebrating everything from the mainstream to the independent, weird, old, and local. Troy, how's it going? It's going great. I got a new puppy. New puppy? A new puppy. Great. <laughs> Why do you say it like that? Uh, it's from uh, Parks and Rec. Uh, That's Parks how Tom and... always says uh, puppy. I'm sorry, yeah. puppy. Oh my god. <laughs> it sounds infuriating. It is, but I mean, they're also poopy, so they're adorable. Oh, it's, it's Aziz Ansari's character. Yeah. Okay, I can't imagine him saying something like that. What? What no. kind of puppy did you get? We got a golden retriever named Rosie. She is adorable. You, you um, have to explain the whole Rosie name. Oh, yeah. So, well, uh, my wife's a history teacher, so we had to pick a historically relevant name. Um, and eventually we went with, um, Rosie because of, um, Rosie the Riveter. So she's Rosie the Retriever. That's insufferable. To which we thought, oh, this would be a great <laughs> Instagram tag. There's like 18 other Rosie Retrievers. Are you going to put a little so. red bandana on her? We already a have. Yeah, pair of good. overalls. Um, we had, we, when we got her, we got a red bandana with white polka dots mm-hmm. and a couple of small blue blankies for her. We need to get her like a... Chew toy that's shaped like a wrench or something. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> right now we got her a chew toy that's a squirrel. Do you think you can make her an influencer on Instagram? I, I, Abby might be able to. Hashtag but like Rosie. I'm barely on Instagram now, so <laughs> okay. well, I don't ha- I don't have a lot of faith in myself. <laughs> you need to get a social media team. I know we do for Rosie. All right. Um, mm-hmm. Well, speaking of history. The um, first topic we're going to talk about is Paper Girls, and it's a comic book that takes place in the recent past. Um, It's about time travel, and it takes place in the late 1980s. Okay. But it was released in 2015. Um, It's written by Brian K. Vaughn and illustrated by Cliff Chiang, Um, and it was published by Image Comics, which is known for publishing indie titles and um brian k vaughn is um really well-known comic book writer so uh, his biggest series have been runaways for marvel okay which is about a group of teenagers that are the progeny of um supervillains okay that's not the premise from logan did you ever see uh, logan well, I mean, I know the history of Logan and, like, Marvel Comics. Okay, because the, the movie Logan was about, like, included a bunch of, like, runaway kids from like government X-23. facility. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, it sounds right. It's kind of in the same vein. Okay. That that was about, like, a, well, they were a group of runaways because they saw their parents perform some dark ritual mm-hmm. and um, became, like, a, basically fugitives from their own parents. Mm, I see. And, and then um, he also had a really successful... Um, comic that ran for a few years called Why the Last Man. Mm-hmm. And that was about a plague that killed every single male mammal, or, or male human and monkey, except for um, this guy named York and his pet monkey. <clears throat> so it's kind of um, post-apocalyptic, but also like feminist and into like a lot of like sexuality and sexual um, critique and gender and stuff like that. Oh, poor York. And then uh, Paper Girls, which is what I'm talking about tonight, that's his like most recent um, series that he created that's made a big impact. And it's about this group of teenage girls in the late 80s, 
And the reason it's called paper girls is because they are all like the equivalent of paper boys, but they're girls. Sure. And so they're this group of 12-year-olds um, that are friends, and they all like ride their bikes and deliver papers like before school, like really early in the morning. And they're all like, the, there's a core group of them that are all really tight with each other. And then the first issue starts off with a girl being a paper girl on her very first day. Okay. And so, um, and it's, it kind of becomes this almost like Spielberg-esque coming of age story about this group of teenagers in like small town America. Uh, it was well, actually in Cleveland, but it's sort of in the suburbs. Okay. And um, kind of like that coming of age story blended with sci-fi. I was going to ask if this was like a drama because everything leading up to this sounds like it's just like a... Um, what I'm trying to think of, like, high school, teenage drama well, kind of thing, or it, it starts it's, around It's kind that. of like a, it's, I guess you could kind of call it a dramedy. It's Brian K. Vaughn's series seem to have a good balance of just, like, entertainment in terms of storytelling and humor and neat ideas kind of, like, cloaked in sci-fi or fantasy ideas, um, along with, like, characters and their relationships with each other. And with Runaways and Paper Girls, he also seems to feel really comfortable writing from that adolescent perspective. Okay. So, um, but it's neat because um, it's also just like this really weird sci-fi, almost like a mystery. Yeah. Because um, basically they encounter these people the day after Halloween, so they think they're just people in costumes, like, the morning after Halloween. Mm-hmm. But they turn out to be these, like, weird mutant-looking people with, like, disfigured faces and stuff. So, like, almost cultists? Like... Kind of, yeah. And, like, one of them, I think, um, he's, like, wounded or something, or he's, like, frightened, and he steals one of their walkie-talkies. Mm-hmm. And they're really expensive, and one of the characters um, is, like, really desperate to get it back. So that's kind of what, like, is the inciting incident. Okay, so so we follow this new kid, or, like, kind of in her shoes? Uh, as she goes at the, the very story. beginning, yeah. So the characters are all teenage girls. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Aaron, Mac, KJ, and Tiffany. And Aaron is kind of the protagonist, because it's her perspective that you see first. But they do a good job of establishing all the characters and kind of, like, getting all their perspectives in it. Mm-hmm. Um Aaron's kind of an interesting character because one of the mechanisms that Brian K. Vaughn uses is that you go into her dreams. Ooh. And so, um, like, the very first one, she's, like, sort of in this, like, hellish place where there's this, like, person that, like, starts off looking like a regular person and then, like, transforms into a demon. And um, it's just, like, this really nightmarish thing where, like, she has to, like, answer questions in school and if she doesn't, like this demon, like, pokes this, like, long nail through her uh, sister's, like, cheeks. Yeah, it's a little intense to to begin with. So is this, like, a kid's book? Or, Um, like, what's the art style? I'd say it's... Like, what are are we trying to... I think you would have to be, like, a mature teenager. Okay. Like, I I think, like, you could say it's rated M or rated R. Okay. But it's not, like, a hard... Like, it's not graphic or, like, full of any, like, sex or... Like, I think if you were, like, a mature teenager, you could handle it. So it's not full of blood and gore. No, but it does have moments of, like... um, Violence. Yeah, violence and, like, cursing and things like that. Okay. And, like, not... But not even, like... Because the characters are still young. So it's it's almost like Stranger Things in that there's characters that are kind of young or, like, on the cusp of adolescence, but they are, like, realistic in terms that they cuss. Mm -hmm. And they don't, like... You know, they're not... It's not, like, um, Leave it to Beaver or, like... Oh, sure. It's, It's not that, like... 
uh, it's not as sanitized version of childhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, um, but it's, it's neat in terms of like these girls like form a really tight bond because they're kind of going from like one crisis to the next. Mm -hmm. And then it's unraveling in terms of like, there's basically two factions of time travelers that are having this conflict in late eighties, um, Cleveland. I totally forgot this was about time travel. Yeah, too. <laughs> and so, and so, where they chase one of these people down that steal their um, walkie-talkies, they basically find what looks like this weird alien capsule, like space what? capsule, okay, in a basement. And then it's, but that's also like it's almost like this weird version of like a TARDIS. It's like a time machine that can like travel through time and space. Hmm. And so, basically, when they're like interacting with this one group of time travelers trying to get their walkie-talkie back, there's another group of time travelers that are hunting after the first group. And they kind of get caught in the crossfire. Oh, man. And so, uh, but there's all these weird little, like, mysteries and clues presented. Like, um, well, part of the imagery in Aaron's dreams is the apple. And, like, it kind of makes you think of, like, Adam and Eve and all the symbolism with that. But then it's also, like, she starts to see a symbol that looks like an apple-like computer. Oh. Oh. And so it becomes Hmm. this, like, symbol of, like, wondering. Like, I don't know. There's, like, hints that... Like, the way technology has changed, like, you can see traces of it in, like, terms of um, how the people from the future have certain, like, artifacts that are, like, Apple oh. technology. Oh, huh. okay. So, um, but, yeah, it's, it's, and I guess that's sort of, like, symbolic of, like, forbidden fruit and knowledge and all these other things. And Sure. I mean, the, the whole idea of, like, uh, artifacts going through to the future and, like, what remains after... All of these companies, like what companies do we know of that existed a yeah. hundred years ago, and, and what's of, still around? So, so how you, does that work in the future? Well, it makes you question kind of like what leads up to these different versions of the future, and then eventually, you learn that it's actually a few hundred years into the future, and then like a few thousands of years into the future. Oh, okay. And so they're both sending people back to like contemporary America, or like. So it's like, and then like the other thing that's cool is the way the time travel works is that part of it takes place in their adolescence. Mm -hmm. And then through the course of their adventure, they all, uh, four of them, go forward in time to 2016, where like when the comic came out. Okay. And so one of the characters, Erin, the girl that has the dreams all the time, meets her future self, who's now like a 40-year-old woman. Someone that touched as the... Like black hole form or something. Well, I, somehow I think they are escaping, and then they all like go through one of these time traveling devices, and that's just for whatever reason when it's where, when it spits them out. Hmm. Is it hard to keep track of all this jumping uh, back they, and forth in time? Well, they do a fairly good job of it because it's always following these same girls. Mm-hmm. So it's not like going between a bunch of different factions, like in a Game of Thrones. Or, yeah, and there's only like five of them. Yeah, so. so the narrative itself is always following these girls, and it's not like it jumps back and forward like multiple times in the same issue or anything. Hmm. I would put it on par with like about as complex as um, Back to the Future. Oh, okay. So and because it came out and because it's set in the late '80s, one of the girls like when they go forward in time, she's like, "We got Back to the Future," because <laughs> <laughs> they like yeah, and um, and so it's neat too because then you get all their 80s perspective about like new technology Mm. and so like they're like trying to figure out what a smartphone is and but then they also recognize the apple on the smartphone huh because i think in the story i mean i guess they had apple computers back then like yeah is it based out of california no well like the the story no the story takes place in cleveland oh that's right you said cleveland um 
it's it's just neat, like, seeing how that, like, because the technology there and, like, its development is definitely part of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But what part of what makes it a, a mystery is he doesn't, like, tell you everything all at once. It's, like, clues that are sprinkled throughout and you eventually slowly learn more and more. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't tell you all the answers from the very beginning. It sort of just thrusts you into this narrative and you get to know the characters and the setting and, like, you very slowly get to figure out the conflict. Mm-hmm. And the neat thing is that the two warring sides are, neither one of them is wholly good or wholly evil. Oh, really? It's okay. more just that the girls are caught in the middle. Oh, okay. So yeah. I was thinking of the girls as like the good side and the other two sides as, or the other side is the evil, but I had not realized but that like, they're in between. Oh, they're between the hundred. Yeah, because like, there's two, the there's two okay. versions of the future. So one of, I, I'll describe them too. Um, so I think the two of them together the, the one is called the old timers, and they're actually the people that are from the more um, immediate future, like just okay. a few hundred years. Mm-hmm. And they kind of look like armored, sci-fi, heroic, like paladins, if you sure. can imagine. Uh, they don't wear helmets, but they wear this like shining, kind of like futuristic Full metal, like Iron Man yeah. armor. And they hold like these big staffs that can shoot like energy beams. Okay. And then the other really interesting thing about them is they all ride in these they're basically like giant pterodactyls. What? So if okay. you can imagine a pterodactyl that's like the size of like a maple tree. Oh God! And then they, and then they like ride on the backs of them. Hmm. Um, and the other people are just like these, yeah, these like strange mutant-looking uh, creatures, and they even speak a totally different language. Where it's hmm. like, it all looks like symbols, like made-up language. But then there's also universal translators, and so when they have those on. They can actually communicate to the main characters. And the people from the near future have this weird, like, dialect that almost sounds sort of, like, Caribbean and, like, reggae mixed with, like... So it's, like, future speak where you can sort of understand what they're saying, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely, like, sounds very Mm -hmm. weird. Really weird And I guess, like, they're really far into the future. They don't even speak English anymore. It's, like, it's just completely different. Wow. Timeless language. But um, it's, it's been out monthly since 2015. I think now they're about up to 30 issues. Oh, wow. Okay. Image. That's, not, that's not too many. Yeah. yeah, so Image also publishes The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. They did Spawn. We'll still do Spawn. So they're kind of like the third biggest um, comic book publisher. But what's different about them, be, instead of DC and Marvel, is that a lot of the titles just are in their own universes. And I think sure. uh, like The Walking Dead is and like Paper Girls seems to be as well. But it's um, because it has that independent flavor it's neat because it's not just like your traditional superhero comic. It's it's not also it's also kind of like I think of it almost as like a female Stranger Things, like a, a girl Stranger Things, combined with a Back to the Future or like a. It's got a lot of neat influences in it, but it's also unique enough that I think it stands on its own. And it's definitely if you're into comics or sci-fi comics or like you like those stories of like uh, adolescents or like young people getting thrust into those challenging situations where mm-hmm. they just sort of have to figure out what's going on and survive. Mm-hmm. It's got that vibe to it. So speaking of coming coming of age, it sounds like a coming of age story. Okay. Yeah. And speaking of coming of age <laughs> stories, um, the, the topic that I wanted to talk about tonight um, is one that I think, unless you've been under a rock for the last four years, you've probably at least heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this musical called Hamilton. Uh, yeah. I think I heard something about that. So I just got to see it. I think we've talked about it. I think we were talking about this before the podcast, and we had talked about it back in season one. Yeah, you talked about it when they were casting the Chicago, which was going to be the first non-Broadway right. performances. Right. Now we've gotten to the point where 
And this happens with pretty much all musicals, is that you start off with, it's on Broadway, then maybe it goes to another city and it stays there for a few years and then eventually it hits um, Broadway across America. Where that's like for the really successful shows. Though. Right. Yeah. I mean, any other show can like be on Broadway for five minutes and it'll just, nobody will mm-hmm. care about it and it'll go to Broadway, like then Broadway across America can run it. Um, but in this case, this is what, this is the point that um, the people that didn't want to go see it in New York or didn't want to travel to see well, it have been waiting for. I think for. most people weren't able to see it. Or Wasn't weren't it able to see it. sold out for like, months and months like once it picked up steam like you basically had to have a connection or could like afford to pay ten thousand dollars for a scout ticket or something well, to, get, to go yeah it's not ten thousand well, i think I mean, probably to, like 700 but yeah. yeah i think you had to know somebody or like be willing to spend a ton of money because i think for a while it was like sold out for two years or, mm-hmm. I don't know. well they also did uh before each show they would do something where like the i think different members of the cast would come out and they would give away, or they, I don't know if they gave it away or they gave the opportunity to sell mm-hmm. um, a limited number of tickets to random people that walked up on the street. That's cool. Essentially to keep, like, if you wanted to see it and this was really your you drive, could you could still get, try to get there and, like, stand yeah. in line and get in. Right, That's and cool. it was a great way for them to do advertising and all that, too, but it was a it was a chance for, like, if you didn't get tickets, you could go mm-hmm. see it. Um, so, it has now gone beyond the in Chicago part, and now we're at Broadway Across America. Um, it just was in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. uh, I think back in tab? March. Um, no, it was in the uh, Aronoff. Okay. Yeah, Makes Aronoff sense. is the big, yes, their big theater. So uh, it was at the Aronoff for a couple weeks, and then it just got to Louisville in June. Uh, a couple weeks back. So we went to see it. Abby was very excited because it's a favorite musical. You were in the room where it happened. We were in the, finally, <laughs> we finally got to the room where it happened. I think I stole that from like your Facebook post about it or something. Uh, yes, that, that is, uh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, thought I came up with that joke on my own, but then I realized it was just a nugget in my subconscious dude, that I knocked loose. So everybody that's excited about Hamilton, that is the Facebook post they put because it's like the line from the show everyone yeah. knows. I'm sure some like, social oh, media works. marketing genius was like, Posted that on the Instagram. Oh yes, oh like this. Yeah, <laughs> like be in the room where it happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's almost like it's like you get sick of it now because you mm-hmm. hear it so many times. But yeah, so yeah. we got to, we got to be in the room where it happens. That's cool. Um, Hamilton. Uh, quick run uh, rundown in case you hadn't listened to the last one. Um, Lin Manuel back. Oh, probably two thousand seven. No, well, about two thousand seven, two thousand six, or no, two thousand eight. Um, gave a t- um, went to a press conference with Obama, or not a press conference, but like in two thousand ten, right? Was it that recent? It was at a course. Well, that was a correspondence to his term. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like some. They, well, they would invite people to perform at the White House, mm-hmm. and I think the Obamas especially was like a lot of cultural performances, and especially representing like African community, African American community, Hispanics, like people of color. Mm-hmm. marginalized people um, instead of, like, your traditional, like, mainstream cultural forces. Right. And I think Lin-Manuel Miranda had written, like, one song and yeah. then, like, convinced them. And then it, like, floored everybody, but then it took a few more years in development. Right. Well, because he, 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 all he had been known about before prior to that, or not all, but, like, he, the big thing was In the Heights, which yeah. was this 
big cultural phenomenon. It had great music. Well, it was upbeat, like a breakout hit, rap. right? Yeah, he it was, was a breakout like hit, but still. Unknown, and then he released that, and it won a bunch of awards, and it was like right. critically acclaimed, yeah. And it's still like a lot of people maybe haven't heard that. I know I haven't listened to the whole I think that's the more autobiographical it. one about like kind of based on his life, mm-hmm. like semi-autobiographical. Somewhat, yeah. I mean, but it's very, um, it has a lot of race issues, and it's very culturally yeah. charged, and it's like, it's a really um, upbeat show, so all he'd been known about prior to Hamilton was that, and then he, as you said, he goes to this correspondence dinner where he, everybody's expecting him to do some sort of song, some sort of rap, and he does the rap, Alexander Hamilton, which is the opening song to the show, uh, and just floors everyone, um, takes him about five years, and the show comes up. Um, his inspiration, he said multiple times, was from a book by, the, uh, by an author, uh, from the author uh, Ron Cheneau. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ron Cheneau, who um, essentially wrote, an audit, wrote a uh, biography about Hamilton. And like all the way through his life, and that is what inspired. As he said, uh, or Lin Manuel said when he was reading on vacation, he's like, hey, "Surely somebody's written a musical about this guy at some point." <laughs> um, I think he thinks differently than most people. <laughs> yes, almost. Although I guess if you went through the exhausted list of uh, musical topics, like, because you wouldn't think like, um, "Oh, the Jewish pogrom and the late." Uh, Russian 19th century. Surely nobody's written a musical about that. And then, like, one of the most famous ones ever written. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. Or, like, <laughs> so it's like, okay, the story of War and Peace. Surely there's been a musical about that. Yeah. That came out, like, two years ago. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a show by Lin-Manuel Miranda, the opening. Uh, the Broadway cast was a bunch of people who essentially got their fame from that, or with a couple exceptions. And now I finally got to see um, a new cast uh, putting on the show in person. I had listened to the soundtrack multiple times. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, first of all, the show is mind-blowing. It's amazing. Um, so in terms of, like, costumes and um, staging and, like... So the costumes are pretty accurate. The mm-hmm. staging is a um, fairly simplistic stage. It all play- takes place in the same stage with... Um, one second tier at the back that people can go up on, and it's like almost um, dock like walks around mm-hmm. the center stage. At the center of the stage, there's a rotating ring um, that people can stand on, and they use it a ton. They use it for different things like um, walking through a park. So they'll have lamp posts um, like on this stage, so this so it'll be rotating, and people will be That's walking neat. next to the lamp post. Is it? Do they base their set design off of the original um, Broadway production? Yep, it's been the same set design all the way across the board. I believe the choreography is the same as well, uh, because all the choreography that was listed for the show was done by the same choreographer that did the original. Um, the and it's all. Again, takes place in the same place. Uh, it all takes place with very similar set pieces, a couple of them moving, but for the most part, you have to use your imagination. Is it the full uh, song list? Like they mm-hmm. didn't add or take any away? Yeah, that surprised me. They did not. Um, they did not add or take anything away. There's a couple short, maybe thirty second bits that aren't included, but they are few and far between. When I say a couple, there might be two. I know there was one that, like, oh, that wasn't in the soundtrack. But everything else on the soundtrack. There's also no talking, so it's yeah. similar to uh, it's like an, an opera. opera. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the thing that struck me most about it, um, which I could have figured out going in, but didn't, is that it is very much an art house show. Um, in terms of the uh, the blocking, the dancing, um, a lot of the choreography is very much 
if you didn't, if you've seen a lot of other like modern Broadway musicals, it's very different from those. Okay. Um, it's very artistic. There is a lot of blocking. There's a lot of almost interpretive dance. Do they have like hip hop dance? Like, is that reflected in it? Like, yeah. The... Uh, there's a, yeah. There's a lot of sharp movements and like less of the less of the flowing dancing, except for a mm. few pieces where it makes sense for like the time period. Do they do the ballroom dancing in that one scene, like uh, where the Hamilton and whatever her name Eliza? Eliza yeah. Me, yeah, like that. Like that's. That, yeah, you think of the same scene. That's the mm-hmm. one scene where I can think they do it, but most of it is hip-hop. How do they handle, like, the battles and the duel and everything? Like, do they have, like, effects? Or is it, like, orange ribbons firing out? Or like... um, no, no effects, no orange ribbons. It's all in your imagination. No, they uh, just have the sounds, but you don't see. Well, they don't even have gunshot, like, yeah. fire. It's just the motion from the guns and the music from, the, uh, from yeah. like, the beats. Uh, in addition to that, the there was no live band. It was okay. all pre-recorded. Uh, which is very interesting because I, I noticed if you look at the conductor, he de- he didn't have a band set with him. So it's all recorded. He's helping them with the timing and all that. Oh, but um, Because they're singing live, but then all the instrumentation is... Okay. Is that how they did it on Broadway too? Or? I don't know. I would have to look into that. Because I would it, guess not because well, there's a lot of like uh, reverbs yeah. and um, uh, like a lot of mixing that you wouldn't be able to do with live instruments. Well, I think I imagine too with hip hop, a lot of it is pre-recorded anyway. Like mm-hmm. if you, because you, like you think if you're on a, a DJ, you just already have um, all your equipment set up, and then you're like looping the beats, and you have like beats already prepared. It's not like you actually have a guy on drums usually. <laughs> right, right. So they didn't. So, so it makes sense for it to be pre-recorded because it goes with the whole hip hop kind mm-hmm. of vibe of the... Yeah, and if you listen to the soundtrack, there's a song, Rewind, where at one point she says, rewind, rewind, and there's this uh, reverb as, as they bring it back, and it's like, oh, yeah, there's no way you could do that with a live band. It wouldn't make sense. Um, so very much an art house show. The A few of the scenes that really struck me was there's a song called Hurricane where um, Hamilton's gotten himself into a really bad situation. He's... Um, Cheated on his wife and a bunch of his co- uh, a bunch of the other uh, people in Congress and the um, cabinet know about it. So like Thomas Jefferson, Aaron Burr all know about it, and he's trying to decide how he's going to resolve this. So he's in the eye of a hurricane before everything crashes down. What's he going to do? So in the song, um, they he's uh, building up, building up, and then the silent, uh, and then there's a silent part in the song with just like a note ringing, and at that point they have set up on that ring that's rotating different scenes throughout his life. Too like, isn't the very first song about, well, it talks about a hurricane mm-hmm. like, destroying his the colony in, like, was it Jamaica or wherever he was at? Uh, yeah, in LaCroix. Yeah. Um, yeah, the well, the first song is all about his life and, like, yeah, it's yeah. everything from his birth up until he gets to the U.S., and and I have a hurricane. He's in the metaphorical hurricane yeah. in the uh, in this song. So like, there's all this chaos going on, and then the stillness as you see different scenes from his life rotate around him. And that's the kind of stuff that's like you got to go see the show yeah. because you can't see that in the songs. Um, It'd be neat to. I don't know if they're ever gonna make a. Um... Like a movie version. I know it takes forever mm-hmm. for Broadway stuff to get adapted into film, but well, that's the interesting thing. So, after seeing it, and I think I thought this in the at the beginning of the show and a couple parts at the end, that a lot of what you get from the music, like the enjoyment you get from the music, that's like the best parts of the show. 
Yeah. The blocking, the dancing, if you're really into like ballet, interpretive dance, the hip hop dancing, like that may pull you in as well. Yeah. But the music is by yeah. far one of the best. I feel like you could um, adapt it in a film because like, mm-hmm. one of my favorite films of all time is Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. And they basically just took, like, it was a very successful. Um, musical that came out in 1970 by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice, but it was, uh, it was like, completely reflective of the time. So, like, just, like, Hamilton is about hip-hop mm-hmm. in, like, the 20-teens. This was about rock music in, like, the 60s and the early 70s. So it's like a complete opera telling this, like, familiar story. But um, that just, like, the way they do, like, the dancing and the choreography and the music, and it doesn't feel forced or hokey even though it's a film and not a broadway show anymore Mm -hmm. so i feel like they could do something like that with hamilton where they have like you know the period costumes and like but like still have some of the dancing and like that kind of effect without making it feel like corny it would be difficult to do it any other way than very similar to how the broadway show did it just because of how artistic the show is but that's kind of like one of the big points that i want to put across is I love the I love the soundtrack. I think mm-hmm. the soundtrack's amazing. I was not in, as impressed with the show as I thought I'd be. It was a really good show. Yeah. But also, the think, music carried it more than anything. I think it's else. also hard to get a balanced perspective now cuz imagine if this was your first time experiencing Hamilton. You'd never mm. heard of it before. You'd never heard any of the music. You just kind of like, oh, it's like a hip hop opera about Alexander Hamilton. And that's all you knew. And if you just sat down and it was like your first experience, you probably would be blown away by it. It's just the fact that now it's like, you know every single detail about the music. You've heard so much about it. And so it's like you go in with all these expectations that you probably wouldn't have had otherwise. I agree, but there's also the large. I feel like the large group of people that are going to go see it are people that have listened to it multiple times. Yeah. So you have so do you cater to that audience? Like there there's just not that much excitement in it in terms yeah. of like visual excitement except for Hurricane and Rewind. Like yeah. those those are the two biggest it might parts. Have been too, but because I imagine the budget he had when he was developing Hamilton was like, I think so limited. Maybe I mean, if he, if he has, like, another... I mean, I'm sure he's probably already creating his next big Broadway musical. Yes, and but, I know who it, what it but should like, be. But that's probably going to have a lot... Maybe more ambitious stage production, because then it's like, oh, like, well, people are going to spend $300 on a ticket to see this because it's Lin-Manuel Miranda, so we can have a crazy, like, over-the-top, you know, production. Whereas Hamilton, he was like, okay, what can I do with the limited amount of money that whoever is, like... Mm-hmm putting into the show is actually going to give us to do stuff. Right. So we'll, we'll close this up by he should, mm-hmm. and the next play that he should do, or the next musical he should do, is a musical about Lafayette. Because that guy's life was insane. Yeah. Like prior, so everything in the uh, American Revolution is crazy. His life after that is even crazier. Didn't he fight in the French Revolution? He did. And then he was arrested for like yeah. 10 years in a foreign prison, I think. And then he was released like... It's pretty, it's pretty intense. There's a, um, one of my favorite podcasters by the name of Mike Duncan. So is that for sure what they're going to... No, it's not. It's totally not what he's going to do. What's the one that you said he... Didn't you say you knew what he is going to do? No, I'm saying that's what he should do. Okay. (laughs) What did you... Didn't you say that you knew what his next one was going to be? No, I'm saying, I'm saying, I know what he's, his next one should be. Should be, okay. (laughs) Yeah, no. It's it's not going to be. I was thinking he could do one about, like, modern Puerto Rico and, like, after the hurricane. He would, oh, that would be, that would, like, be right up his alley. Because then he could, like, raise money for it and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. That'd be right up his alley. Especially like he's, he still has so many ties to it. 
and especially like all of the yeah. the crises going around it's uh puerto rico still yeah well i'm looking forward to the next that uh lin-manuel veranda has to offer mm-hmm. sure. uh, well, we thank want to thank you all so much for listening to hip squared uh, the best way you can help us out is to let your friends know, um, people that you think would be interested in this. If anybody you know is into either one of these topics, either comic books or musicals, especially Hamilton, um, that'd be a good way to introduce somebody into what we're doing. Uh, you can also like American Fantastic on Facebook. You can share um, our episodes as we release them. If you follow us on uh, Facebook, we release them every other Friday. Um, you can also subscribe to Hip Squared in Google Podcasts or in Apple Podcasts, aka iTunes. Um, you can also go to AmericanFantastic.com directly. You can listen to Hip Squared there, download it, stream it. Um, there's also a lot of other cool writing, art, photography, um, all kinds of neat things. You can check out our recent spring update um, for some neat artwork by Yoko Molotov. There's some cool artwork by Jack Scally. Um, all kinds of cool things, and there's always um, more coming down the pike as well. Um, we were produced today by Mayplex Monk, so thanks, Maple. And um, also, our intro and outro music is by Dano Songs. Uh, go to danosongs.com if you want some royalty-free intro or outro or any kind of music for your project. Uh, you can also support Hip Square directly by uh, becoming a member of American Fantastic on Patreon. Uh, you can do that for as little as a dollar a month, and anything helps. Um, and Troy, is there anything else I'm forgetting? Nah, man, I think you got it all. All right, well, we'll see you all next time. Toodles. Toodles. <laughs>